0: Troughton is from Belfast, Northern Ireland, and she's one of the world's best visual artists. Her art is held in numerous private and public collections around the world, and Jennifer was already an accomplished artist when she was thrust into the mainstream pop culture when E.L. James began her best-selling trilogy, with billionaire Christian Grey being an owner of Troughton's art. Everyone knows that Fifty Shades of Grey went on to become the best-selling book of all time, and Troughton's art set the tone for this famous love story so we're really really excited to have jennifer joining us again today i've had her on in the past it's been about a year and we're going to check in with jennifer and she's done just some work amazing amazing things and i want to make sure that everybody understands that it wasn't the book before the art it was the art before the book and really get to know jennifer and what a wonderful wonderful person she is and an accomplished artist as well so thanks jennifer for coming back on
1: Hi, Laurie. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's been quite a year for everybody.
1: It has indeed. It's been a very busy year. But very, you're very busy, busy right. It,
0: anyway, right, but, but are, you're already busy.
1: Yeah, yes. Um, I think being an artist is odd because it, it kind of ebbs and flows. You can have periods where it's quite quiet and then it can get quite busy and uh, you know, the start of this year was just relatively peaceful, but things have got very busy in the last uh, three, four months, and I'm preparing for about five different shows at the moment, so I'm almost meeting myself coming back most days, trying to get organized for that. So, But hopefully then things will quiet down a little bit again, and I'll recoup, and, and then things will probably busy, get busy again, So, but I'm not complaining. Busy is good. Busy is very good. But- Tell us
0: about the show that, that, that you have coming up, that, that you're preparing for right now. Do you have several of them coming
1: up? Yes, I have several shows coming up at the moment. They're not all solo shows. I have a solo show opening on the 7th of November in a public space in the south of Ireland called The Solstice. And it's myself and two other female artists. And it's being curated by uh, a very wonderful curator called Carissa Farrell. And it's a show that's highlighting female painters and the, the, we are three female painters but our art is very different, we're very different painters in how we approach the canvas or even the paint so I've been preparing for that for the last year, so we it's a very big uh, art space, so we, we effectively have like a solo show each because we have an individual gallery space uh, so that has been probably my main focus for the last six months and I've been working on a very large linen, six foot by five foot which is the centrepiece for this exhibition uh, so it's it's all finished the work's not all finished and getting framed and getting shipped this week and then i have a few group shows coming up in the next couple of months where i'm only putting you know one or two pieces into them uh and i also have a couple of shows actually running at the moment i have one in the Ulster museum with the royal Ulster academy uh which is a very very big show that happens every year in northern ireland uh it's an open submission show uh where the public can submit and have their work selected and they'll hang along professionals like myself, who's an academician who actually oversees the selecting process. So, yes, all of that all. is amazing at the moment.
0: Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Well, how long does it, does it normally take you to, to, to finish a painting? I, I know they're all kind of different sizes, or, or, or do you usually work in a, in a larger medium?
1: Well, I, usually work, I, I work in a body of work at a time. So generally I take about a year to a year and a half to complete a, a singular body of work where I'm exploring a particular theme or a particular idea. And then obviously when that comes to the end, I, I have a, like a sense of break from it and then I move on. Um, yes, my work varies in sizes. I tend to be known more for working small to medium. Uh, which would probably be a case of, you know, a few weeks to a few months to do a piece of work. But this particular show is quite different for me that's opening in a couple of weeks in that it, the, the the focus of the show is actually a six-foot-by-five-foot foot linen, which is the largest I've ever worked, and it took me an entire year to paint it. I started it on the 30th of September 2012, and I finished it almost to the date a year later. I know this because wow. it's my birthday on the 30th of September, and I started it just before my birthday last year. I finished it the birthday, my weekend of my birthday this year, so that's how I know exactly how long uh, it's taken me to paint. And yes, that's been probably my biggest challenge to date, because it's a very detailed painting. I didn't compromise on, on my attention to detail with working bigger. I didn't move up brush sizes. I kind of painted it with a triple zero brush, which is one of the smallest brushes you can buy. So yes, it has taken a year. And uh, I'm very glad that it's finished, you know emotionally and physically and I'm just looking forward for the, for the public to see it now and see what their reaction is. Oh, I bet. I bet. When and the images will be images going online within the next week of all the oh, been finished. Yes, it'll, it'll, I'll be, the image of it will be going online this week
0: because I haven't and shown I anyone to yet.
1: I've just been showing images of it in progress just to kind of like see people, let people see what I'm doing, partly because I want them to join in my pain because, like most days, I was tortured by it. It was so hard, I was like, so I put images up on Twitter of me sitting with a triple-zero brush doing this detail, but I haven't actually posted the image of the finished piece yet.
0: I remember seeing that on Twitter. Um, so are, are you going to put it on your Facebook or on your website? or where, where It will be on, it'll be on my copy? Facebook
1: page, and then it will be updated onto my, onto my website probably in the next coming you know, weeks. But hopefully this week it will be on my Facebook page. I've just been getting the work professionally documented this week, so all those images will be available to me soon to, to put online and very nice. guys here,
0: well you know but when when you work on something that long for for a year or more you, you've, it it's got to be very emotional what's that mm. like when you put it out there i mean could could you sell a piece like that or or are you so attached to it it's hard to sell some of them or are some of them easier than others to part,
1: part with it does depend on the piece, some are some is definitely easier than others. This particular piece I'm very emotionally attached to because it's been a year and it was a very intense year uh, in my studio and outside of my studio, it's just been a particularly intense year for me and that piece has kind of been with me throughout that and in many ways it is an extension of me and it will be quite difficult, I mean it is quite difficult, I've already had to part with it this week, it, it has gone to a framers to be framed. And even taking it to the framers was a wrench. It was like, oh, letting go and like entrusting somebody else to look after it because it's been in my possession for for 12 months or more. Uh, so, yes, it it can be quite difficult to let go of pieces. But I think when you move on and start making new work and you have a little bit more distance, it gets easier. And all artists, obviously, want to sell their work because... You know They want their work to be seen and you know, for people to enjoy it and it, to have a life of its own and go beyond my own you know, experience with it. Uh, but at the mm-hmm. moment, yes, it will be very difficult to part with it. and I probably won't be parting with it for some time because it's such a large piece. It will be a complicated piece to, to, to purchase. It's probably more than likely going to go into a public collection rather than a private if it eventually sells. But for the moment, yes, it is like an extension of my family and I will find it quite difficult to, to say goodbye to it. My studio looks terribly hey. empty without it. <laughs> I bet because it's what, what, six, 6 by 5 so that's that's huge yeah yeah, and it, so it, it, it did have quite a presence in the studio and it's funny because I painted the edges uh, just before I sent it to the framers and I kind of nicked the wall as I was doing it so when I took the painting off the wall there was this ghost image of where I had painted And so it's like a reminder that it, it, it hung there so I look at it and think oh there's something missing <laughs> but I will <laughs> see it again is there a piece- in the gallery pardon?
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I'm sure that it did leave a, a huge emptiness from its from its presence being there. But, you know, it'll it'll fill up where it's going too in another way. Yeah, I'm well, sure. Also, yes.
1: I look forward to seeing how it will look eventually in the in the space that it's going to be exhibited in.
0: Do you have pieces that you'll never sell or never?
1: Well, yes. Oddly, the piece from Fifty Shades of Grey, looking at the overlooked has been a piece that was, I've I've never sold, and I've had offers in the past to to sell it in different forms because it's a large piece. The the original piece is three hundred, and I've been very reluctant to sell it, and I I've held on to it because I I'm, I don't know why, but I've always been very reluctant to to sell it. Uh, so it may it may stay with me forever. <laughs> <laughs> it won't. But uh, yes, it's the one piece that I have never sold and I've had offers to sell it in the past. And this was pre um, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. So maybe it was meant to Brilliant. be, maybe I was meant to hold on to it for a reason. Think so if so people wanted
0: to buy it before the book
1: came out, See, that yeah. piece has really taken
0: on a life of its own since the book
1: yes it has yes well the image the, the image that I've I, you know that has been created as a result of Fifty Shades of Grey has taken on a life of its own and it's wonderful it, it's out there and it's gone to a whole new audience that wouldn't be familiar with my work and with me because I work very much in a fine art environment so it's lovely that the image is going to be in people's homes and cherished and and homes with people who mightn't necessarily have the economic means to buy original art and I really like that because I'm one of those people myself, you know, being an artist we don't make a lot of money either and uh, it's lovely to have something nice on your wall that you can cherish because, you know fine art, original art is very expensive to buy so I'm very happy that uh, that I can you know provide something for the public to buy and have on their wall that they that you know that they can enjoy and on a more than one level because obviously they can enjoy it for its own artistic merit but they can also enjoy it because it it reminds them of and it's a reference to you know their favorite book mhm
0: well and it's the first time that that you did a a print like that of your work
1: yes that's true it's it's something i it's it's something I'd never considered before i hadn't really. Um, the opportunity hadn't arisen in in, in the past to do this i've always worked you know in original uh, one-off paintings but when when people were starting to ask about this image and i sat and i you know i sat on it for quite some time you know people were asking and i didn't know what i could do to actually uh you know to 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 share this and eventually myself my partner came up with the idea of doing a limited edition artist print so it would be a a high-quality artist print. It would be Giclee print, which is a particular form of archival print, and it would be on really good quality paper, and it, it would be a nice product that uh, people could buy. And uh, so we, we, we set about working out how to do that And the the little cottage industry. We started a mini cottage industry this time last year, myself and my partner, and got the system up in place, and, and now it's running quite well, quite nicely, and um, I get to ship off to interesting places from time to time. I know you just told you you one to France the other day. That was exciting. I did. Actually, I actually problem. talked
0: to the person who who got it. They contacted oh, me fantastic. and they're like, "I'm the I, one I, I who I not know got it yet. And
1: uh, well, yeah. she told I, me her um, number was eighty-eight
0: or something like
1: that. That's right. That's right. Number <laughs> eighty-eight. Sometimes people get random numbers because I kind of put – I have I have them made up in, in in batches. You know, in my studio, so I can just lift them out. And it depends where I lift from in the pile, what what number you get, but. You know, sometimes if people ask, I'll maybe go and be a bit more specific about the number, but it literally is a luck of the draw sometimes about where I pull from the the pile of boxes. Uh, but right. it was a fantastic number she got. In bingo terms, that's the two fat ladies, which I quite like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought that was um, absolutely amazing. Um, I, I have number 51, and I know E.L. James has number 50, and I know someone who no. has... Uh, Number sixty-nine, and someone wrote mm-hmm. me and said they had a hundred because the number hundred was very um, personal to them, and mm-hmm. uh, so that's been very interesting as mm-hmm. as people receive their numbers. Just like you were saying, on, and some of them are random, but some of them have mm-hmm. a personal meaning, and then sometimes that yeah. random number takes on a personal meaning. Yeah,
1: Um absolutely. I quite I like to you know it, it, people it, if I can, like I. I really enjoy getting to chat to people because, you know, I, I I always send an email reply to, to someone who purchases a print, you know, to acknowledge them, to say hi, and to say thank you. And sometimes we enter into conversation, and if I can, I like I like to accommodate them if they have a particular number. If I can do it, I absolutely will. But yes, sometimes serendipity is interesting too because I loved 88. I thought 88 was a fantastic number, and yet it was oh, you know luck of the draw in that it was the, t- the, the top one I pulled off the you know off the pile. And I went number 88, but. I like the mm-hmm. really. it's a good number well there's only
0: it's it's limited to eight hundred and fifty and so once those are done that's that's it and yes, I don't know, know if they'll we'll ever probably do prints again after this anyway <laughs> It's quite an experience to get a print going
1: it It was hard work to begin with, but now you know it's kind of it's easier 'cause the system's in place, and i've you know I've learnt my by my mistakes and I've ironed out some kinks and uh so it's a, a little bit easier now to do it and, uh, than it was at the beginning, which is a bit more fraught. Definitely dealing with shipping and things like that was a little bit more uh, stressful.
0: Well, I know how you feel about um, sending your linen off to the framer because I still have, don't have mine framed, my print. Uh, oh, no. From you because I'm afraid <laughs> to give it
1: to somebody. I'm just, I've oh, been just definitely afraid to give it to somebody. You have to pull the plaster off, Lori, You have to do it.
0: <laughs> and I, I, I talked to somebody else who was um, getting a, a, a divorce, and in the mm-hmm. divorce they hid their Jennifer Trout and Prince so that their <laughs> wouldn't claim it <laughs> in the divorce. So I've heard all kinds that's of so stories over so the past kind of like year. Sad
1: story, but there's, you know, a sad but funny story.
0: It is funny because that was so important to them, you know. And so she's like, I hid mine because I didn't want him to get it just out of spite or whatever, and, you know, and that was really important not work to me.
1: Something <laughs> <laughs> in half would be a really bad idea as well, having... Uh, you oh, I know. Have, yes, you could have.
0: Oh, the whole Solomon effect would not work in that, that's for sure. But, you know, it's, it's funny because you do come attached to your print because your number is, like, assigned to mm-hmm. you, and, and people have, you know, these, these small relationships with you that become mm-hmm. important. And so that print becomes important, takes on, you know, a, a meaning of, of significance. And then especially as you explain, for, for people who haven't seen it, and there should be um, uh, pictures of it coming through as, as you're listening to the show, but the print is of different individual paintings, and those paintings are what's represented in Christian's office, but each of those That's paintings right. have special meanings to you.
1: Yes, they all do. I mean, there's actually 300, Im- well, there's a 100 images in the original piece of work i looking at. They were looked, and every little image tells a story. I mean, it's almost like a visual diary of my life for three years, and that I carried a camera with me every day, and those were the days before digital cameras and iPhones. I mean, this is back in the late 1990s, early 2000s, and you know, that is almost like a visual diary of my life. Just, you know, when I'd come across something, I would photograph it or I'd see something that interested me, I'd go and investigate it and I would take a photograph. And I'm, actually, I'm just actually standing in front of a print right now, actually. I'm in my mother's house and she's, she's got the artist's proof. She got the very first one off the press. I just thought I'd like to give that to my mother. So I'm, I'm standing looking at it and already I'm starting to see all the stories that I know. I mean, it's not relevant for the viewer to know every story and in fact it's nicer that the viewer can construct their own story their own narrative but Uh you know Mm -hmm. recently on facebook i have been posting up details every now and again and giving a little bit of background to some of the images like for example there's an image of some books and a little pair of glasses sitting on a chair and i posted that up recently just to say that that was taken in my grandparents house and not long after they passed away and you know i just came across these books sitting on a chair and the glasses sitting on top and and above that image is that image is actually a picture of my grandmother's apron hanging on a door and that's the apron that she wore when she was uh, baking apple pies which she was absolutely renowned for she made the best apple pie in the world so those little stories I mean they're relevant to me they're biographical to me but it's not really you know I think it's not that important to the viewer that they know my specific story. I quite like that they can invest their own story into the images as well and kind of create an artist that, that works for them. Well, yeah,
0: because each of the little pictures, and, and of course this is what uh, E.L. James so artfully did when she mentioned you really set the tone for for the for the whole love story, raising the ordinary to extraordinary, mm-hmm. how you take ordinary objects and you paint them in such a way they they look like a photograph, but they're actually painted. And it's an ordinary object. But when you really study the detail and you really start to look at it, it takes on an extraordinary mm-hmm. um event in your mind, sort of because okay, for for the telephone, okay, for for mm-hmm. Just an example. When I look at that Mm -hmm. telephone, you know, if you just look at it quickly, it's a telephone. But I start remembering that specific style of phone, and Mm -hmm. and I start remembering in my mind the people I talked to on that phone, and I remember my grandparents having the, the first. It's been a long time a rotary phone, but this is how old I am. Used to have to back <laughs> in the olden days when I was a child. You had to put your number in, and you know, you had to rotary. Well, my grandparents had you the first one that was vocabulary. like a a, a a push button one. You know, uh-huh. like my grandparents had a, a push button one. We thought that was just the most amazing thing that they had a push button one. I was really little when that happened, but but they had a push button one, and I remember thinking that they must have been rich. Because they had that um, push, you know, everyone else had the dialing ones, but they didn't have to. They could just push a button. And I, it, it just, and I course, I love my grandparents very, very much, so they've long ago passed away. But it just the phone, you know, something as ordinary as a phone can raise the moment of looking at that print to an extraordinary level for me personally.
1: And each print does that in a different way. Well, That's wonderful. I, I like to hear that, and I like to hear your story because it's different from my story. But they're both, you know, they're both legitimate. They're both, you know, they both got their own integrity, which is what I really like. And I was very conscious in what I was photographing and the objects that I was selecting. There was a an editing process going on in that I was deliberately looking for the everyday and the overlooked, the simple things. Like you say, they're still life and they're ordinary, but they're not ordinary because they're extraordinary. In their ordinariness, in that they're part of our everyday. We overlook them because they're so familiar to us, and that's actually what I was seeking out—that which was familiar to us, and actually that which was kind of related to the domestic sphere, to- towards you know the-, the female existence, you know the the likes of the apron and the sewing ring and the uh, you know the-, the dress mannequin and things like that. So I was actually consciously looking for the little things that people would overlook, and making a point of shining the spotlight on them and making them extraordinary. And by putting them together in such a large collection, like a, a large number of three hundred, I kind of made them noticeable. I made it impossible for you to overlook that which in your everyday life you probably would walk by and just take for granted and just be just so unaware of because it was so familiar. So I'm I'm very right, really yeah. glad that you can you know that you, you, you see that in the work and I, I like to hear other people's story and what the images mean to them and what memories those images have a vote for, for them, so and that's, that's what, i mean mm-hmm. I think that 's the, the strength of the piece in many ways is the fact that it's it 's universal
0: absolutely absolutely well, I wanted to tell everyone that, that um, starting through the end of the year, um, everyone who buys one of your prints, and people can go to jennifertroughton.com, so it's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-T-R-O-U-T-O-N. You Google Jennifer, she comes right up. You, you can't miss her. But um, We have links posted everywhere, but if you go to com and you um, buy one of the prints, uh, not only are are you going to get a wonderful once-in-a-lifetime print um, that's going to be shipped in the most amazing way, of, I mean, just the way you ship it is an art form in itself. I mean, that's worth the price right there is is the way this thing comes. I mean, I've never received anything like it um, (laughs) shipped in a way. Absolutely beautiful. But um, um, all of those people are going to be entered to win um, some special things that we're going to have throughout the end of the year. And uh, there's going to be all kinds of different things that we're going to be releasing as as the weeks go by, but everyone's going to be entered to, to win um, something additional as it goes. And those who have already bought a print, don't don't worry about that. Um, we'll be a, a special drawing. But there's going to be um, different things. We're going to have all those posted up. But uh, there's a, a lot of people who are participating in that. And um, one of them, there is this wonderful, wonderful jewelry maker, and she was actually commissioned um, she has a licensing by uh, Fifty Shades Jewelry, and she's going to be um, donating a, a prize to someone. And um, Fifty Shades Toys, who makes um, bath oils and bath salts, they're going to be donating um, something. And um, Seattle Rainwater Soap is going to be um, donating some soaps. And which is all kinds of people who just really want to participate in... Um, really the celebration of people purchasing these prints, and so uh, we're going to be doing a, a Christmas show, we're going to be on it as well, and a lot of the people who are donating are also going to be featured in the in the Christmas gift show, but just really great people who appreciate um, being in, uh, having a, a collector's piece of art, and just, that sisterhood or brotherhood or the the, the human experience we all the eight fifty kind of get to um unanimously uh join in together as we experience only this the same piece of art yeah, and people are wanting
1: to so much
0: oh no right.
1: I'm, I. I'm just saying thank you so much. I think it's fantastic, especially because all these other people are amazing artisans in their own right too. You know the the, the jewelry maker and uh, the artisan soaps, and it's a wonderful celebration of the ability to, to produce, to make. You know that, that ability for of the the eye, eye and the hand coordination, you know of of the, of the artist is fantastic, and it's wonderful that you're you're celebrating that. And in many ways, we're all sharing, and uh our, our, you know we're sharing our skills, and which is fantastic. Absolutely.
0: Well, and it didn't take long either. When we ordered the print, I mean, you ship them. I don't know how you do it because you're you're making six-foot-five lemons and, and very detailed pieces of work, and, you know, you have all these exhibits going on, and then you're also, I mean, the that the prints
1: aren't shipped in a, in a round cylinder. I mean, they ship flat. Oh, and, no, no, they're, oh, no, no. That, that was very important to me for, at the beginning when I was considering doing this because, like I said, I had sat on it for some time because I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if there was a, an appetite for it. And, and I I didn't want to produce something that, you know, that, you know, didn't honor the book and, and Erica, and, and I wanted it to be, you know, something quality, something something that people would really want. So when I came up with the Gicle print, I knew that it, it would have to be, you know, packaged and made to look special so that when someone opened it and received it, I mean, it's like it, it be it a gift to themselves or be it a gift to someone else, That someone would feel like they're getting something that's cherished, that, 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 that they really love and, and really want to have. So I, I went to – I mean, I got the boxes specially made to fit the prints, and I got my own wax seal made, so I, there's a unique Jennifer Triton wax seal. So it feels rather regal in many ways. I, maybe I'm getting above my station here. I think I'm the queen of England having my own wax seal. But stuff like that I just wanted to do because I wanted people to feel like – because if you're parting with money, and, you know, you know we all it, – it's a hard time for everyone – and I think if you're going to part with, you know, hard-earned money, you need to have something back in return. So I wanted this to be the absolute best product I could possibly make for for, for the fans of, of, of the book.
0: We accomplished that because it was – I knew I was receiving something special. when, when I already knew I was receiving something special, but then when it came, <laughs> it just it, – it just, it, you know, it rated that ordinary experience an extraordinary experience just to, you know, keep going with that theme because it was absolutely extraordinary in the way that it came. I, I wanted to see if you would – Refresh everyone's mind to the story of how you heard that it was going to be in a book. It, it was at a, um, a gallery, and some, you and Erica go way, way back. You and um, have, have been friends for a long, long time. And, and she'd mentioned kind of slightly that she was writing a book or something. Can, can you just refresh everyone on that little?
1: Yeah, I mean, story? Um, I yes, I have known. I've been very fortunate myself. My partner very fortunate to know Erica and her family. Who you know the family are all fantastic. They're wonderful. Um, and it, I'm trying to even I'm trying to kind of plot the, 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 the kind of chronology for myself. But it was quite some time ago when Erica first started doing her fan fiction, and you know, she, you know, we knew she was doing it, and, and you know, it was going on in the background. And she, she did mention to me. I, I, well, she says she did. I, I don't 100% recollect, but she said, oh, do you mind if I make reference to this piece of work that she'd come to see in London? I had an exhibition in 2006 in a gallery in London, and the Looking of the look was on show there, and it struck a chord with her. She you know, she really loved it, and obviously it came to her mind when she was writing uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. And she'd asked me, and I thought nothing of it all. I said, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And I think only about a year later is when things started to take on, you know, a life of their own and, you know, the the juggernaut that is 50 Shades of Grey came into being and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, Jennifer, you do know you're actually in the book. And I was like, oh, I am? I am. And <laughs> I, I didn't realize that uh, it had made the cut and was still in the book, you know, so um, I'm very fortunate that she did, that she kept it in the book. So. Well,
0: not only but in she the, the book, but it, really well, it sets the tone for, for, for the whole book. And they've, they've
1: got to put this obviously in the movie i mean has have they been in touch um, with you not, or not I, I think movie making's a a different beast from 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 you know writing a book and obviously there's more than just erica involved in making the film and who knows what what form the script is in at this stage if even that scene still exists um so i mean there's a lot there's a lot could have changed between the book and the script uh, if the scene's still in, then there's maybe a possibility that it would. I mean, I know Erica has voiced, um, you know, interest in the past that she would love to have it in the movie if if, if there was the occasion, but I don't know. I, I believe the film is kind of rattling on at a pace, and it's, so it, it may and it may not. I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have to look into this and find out. <laughs> I've been too busy, you know, to kind of pursue right. uh, kind of it, but perhaps maybe I should ask and see where it's at because i do i mean i think they have been very 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 busy with casting at the moment and everything else that happens in pre-production right
0: right well to to me like i said just really sets the tone for the love story of the whole you know it's really represented raising the ordinary to the extraordinary of of the whole theme and the whole tone of the book from start to finish um and it's it's really beautifully done and it just shows again how smart Erica Leonard is. Is that she knew at that she had the foresight to to to, to write your work in because it, it's it's perfect. I mean, it's it just is, is really a, a perfect compliment to to the book. When when you started being an artist, however that kind of comes about, how did you pick the, the genre that you're in? Like some people are abstract and some people are portrait but you're so detailed and so good how, how does one come to that determination
1: i think i think every artist is kind of doesn't really choose their own path in many ways i think it's an it. i think we have uh we we lean towards things naturally subconsciously without even knowing it whenever i was in university i would have I was a figurative painter, uh, I wouldn't have been as detailed, I probably wouldn't have focused so much on on the minutiae, but I was obviously heading that direction, and even once I graduated and I was out in the studio and, you know, I was making work at a lot less pressured pace, because in the university it is quite pressured, you know, you're, you're making work on a lot more, kind of quicker turnaround, um, I actually started to work even more detailed, and I would try to not. I would go, oh, I'd love to be abstract and just try and experiment. And I would try, but I would fail. Because I just think I think it's subconscious. I think it's very much just a natural inclination that I have in the same way that an abstract painter is. Even if they start off figurative, somehow along the way that figurative painting will turn into some form of abstraction. I do think it's very subconscious. I think it's something within us that you know, is beyond our own control. That we will always return back to, and no matter how much I try to not work so detailed, the detail comes creeping in. So it's just my natural way of working, and in relation to like my genre and and, and maybe the subjects that I paint. Again, I just think so much of that is innate and it's it's natural. And we, you know, we we try, you know, when we try to to go against what's 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 naturally within us it doesn't work and you'll return back to it. And my work has always been relatively biographical and relates to my family and my family's experience of being in Ireland and experiencing migration. And, you know, I just build on that. Every new body of work in some way relates to that. It may be, you know, a derivation of what I've worked on before, but it's always under that umbrella as such. Wow. Well. I am just a
0: super, super fan of your work. It's just, it's absolutely. I'm really hoping that we can get that brought over to the states. We're really working on Seattle to, to facilitate that because, I mean, it's, it's just not fair that only the UK gets to see your work.
1: I mean, I would love it, to it, get it I would love to get it seen. Absolutely. I mean, there's some talk of it being shown over here, but I would love to get get it seen again because it's such a it's such a statement piece. It's quite large. It's 300 in its in its, in its totality. And it's it's just be nice to see it out again. It's not the kind of thing I occasionally take out and have a look at because it would take like two days to get them all out of their storage and out of boxes and look at them. So I don't get to see them very often either. So I think, you know, even for me I would like to to, to you know, blow off the cobwebs and, and see it hung again would be fantastic. It hasn't been hung mm-hmm. now for quite a few years actually. The last time I believe it was hung it was in believe or believe it not, two thousand and six. So it's been quite some time. Wow. It's, it's been in wow. storage since. Well, you know, it was
0: perfect timing because that's when Erica saw it. Then was two thousand six, and that was also the that's last time it was London.
1: Yeah. Yes, wow. yes. In fact, wow. that was the last time it was hung. Was Erica saw it in London. Wow! Perfect, perfect timing. Did
0: did did you grow up as a child who, who could draw? Did Did you know that you had a a, a gift early?
1: Yes, uh, I was. Yes, I, my mother, my mother would tell you the only two things I ever wanted to do was draw and read. So much to my my parents' pleasure, obviously <laughs> they were going, Yay! She's either reading or drawing. She's not outside uh, burning down houses or inside, you know, <laughs> uh, wrecking the place. I was quite a quiet child in some respects. Um, yes, I always I always drew, and I used to copy all the pictures in my mother's house. You know, the you know the fake canvases that they would have. You know, the you know the just the, the, the printed onto to look like a canvas, uh, and I would have just copied, and uh, just, just, um, then when I would got paints, I would just, again, copy with my little watercolors or my little gouache set, and eventually I started saying to my mummy, I want to go to art school, and even at that age, I didn't actually understand, I didn't comprehend what, what art school was, if it even existed, uh, but I just knew I was going to go to sco- a school that, for art. So from a very young age, I had a, I had a singular mission to go to art school, and Thankfully, when I grew up and went to college and found out there was such a thing as art school, I was very happy. Imagine my disappointment if I'd grown up and went, there is no such thing as art school. So yes, I, <laughs> I never wanted to be anything else other than an artist from a very young was age.
0: There, was there other people in your family who were gifted in 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 drawing or or art, or was it did all of that go to you? <laughs>
1: No, not in my immediate family, not like my parents. I mean, I am the youngest, and so my siblings never demonstrated a, an aptitude for it, or my parents. I mean, we have a history of writers in the family. We have a few, we have, you know, back in my ancestry, I have a published poet and, and writer, but never, never the visual arts, so I don't know where this has come from. Maybe I'm a <laughs> two-man's daughter. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that, and really, that's terrible. Mother, please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> I bet your mother is very, very proud. That, that's It makes me happy that she has
0: the first one. I imagine she probably has a lot of your work, just like a lot of parents, you know, their children bring home their work. I bet your mom has a lot
1: of stuff. My mother, I'm tortured, absolutely tortured. My mother has all these things that I would literally have in the attic, and she has them framed on her wall. You know, you can actually see, you know, the, the, the kind of progression of my work over the years, because every now and again my mother will find something that's been put in the attic, and she brings it out and she frames it. So my mother's living room, unfortunately, has too many pieces of my work that are very old, but she's, she, you know, she likes them, uh, so... I mean, she has one or two pieces that I have consciously given her. Like, I did a little painting of her and her father on her wedding day, and I give that to her. That I'm happy for her to have on the wall, but some of the other things are just so embarrassing. But she's my mom. I have to let her have her way. (laughs) Well,
0: you know, at at some point, that would be really... Um, great to see as well. As far as if, if it was in a gallery, your progression of work, you know, from from a child and and have all of that stuff. So, so maybe you know, your mom is has a lot of wisdom and um, foresight. Thinking, you know, here's her line of progression through her art to where where she is today. It you She's know, like I, a I went archivist. through the, yeah, absolutely, that's right. Um, I went to, through
1: some of the stuff that she has. I probably would have. Now, as a as a professional artist, I probably would have destroyed or made a point of putting somewhere in the dark that no one could ever see them, because that's just because we're always our own worst critics, you know, we're very, we're very hard on ourselves, because the majority of people come into the house, they, they see them and they think they're great, but I'm like in the corner cringing, going, no, don't look at it, it's awful, so, but you're right, I mean, we're probably not the best judges of our own work, because we are very harsh, we're very hard critics on ourselves, so... I have to, you know, give my mother the nod of wisdom on this and say, okay, you can have, you can keep them hanging there. Just don't stop telling people they're mine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no,
1: I'm sure people are thrilled
0: when they come in and see them. I mean, that's an art gallery in itself. And one, of course, to where your mother lives in fear of, you know, um, somebody coming in there and, and, and taking them all off the wall.
1: If she lives in the middle of nowhere, you'd have a hard time finding it. I'm actually sitting in my mother's, uh, actually, I'm visiting my family at the moment, and we live in the countryside. I look out the window, and all I can see is black at the moment. There's not a light in sight. Well,
0: we're going to have that when our daylight savings time hits. Um, You know, the the days get shorter, and the nights get longer, and... um, does, does that inspire you more when it's dark, or, or is there a time know. of the year that, that you feel even more inspired, or, or just all the time?
1: I don't know if I'm affected seasonally, to be honest. Um, I think my mood changes. I don't know if it, it, it necessarily affects my way of working and my style. I love the autumn, and I do, I do find myself with a little bit of a spring in my step in autumn. I, I love. I cycle to my studio mostly, and I love cycling to the park with the leaves falling, because uh, i just love the color palette it's a, it's a it's a palette that I've always that's actually quite recurring in my work the, the use of autumnal colors so i would say the autumn is probably inspiring i mean i don't necessarily it doesn't necessarily inspire my subject matter but it inspires me and my attitude mm-hmm. and i do love that cycle to the studio and i do love those colors and they're colors that are you know quite present in my work and I'm not really very fond of the winter. I don't think anyone really is. Except my mm-hmm. partner, he's a bit of a oddball. He loves the rain. Well, I don't know where I got him from. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I would say autumn, I'd say, would be my favorite season, and it, it definitely changes my mood a little.
0: What's the next piece of work that that you're going to be working on?
1: Do you yes. have it envisioned rain already? Autumn. Yes, it's, it's a continuation of the work that I've just finished for the solstice, which is the, it's called What Remains is is the new body of work that I've produced for this show It's going to be a continuation of it It's, it's, it's continuing with the the image of wallpaper I've been creating wallpapers uh, I've been taking the icons out of wallpapers And putting my own in And creating an narrative through, the, through the, the icons in wallpaper So I know that I'm going to explore that a little bit further So um, I'm staying a little bit big as well I'm going to be working on five foot by four foot linens Tiny bit smaller but still quite big so that's where my 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 that's my plan at, at the moment. But plans don't always go to plan, unfortunately. Um, we'll, we'll see in the next few months how that pans out. But that is my that's my objective. Whether I get there is another matter. I could have abandoned it. In about four weeks' time, I might be screaming and, and running to the hills. <laughs> that is my plan at the moment.
0: <laughs> well, I know whatever it is is going to be beautiful. Okay, well let's oh, thank you. go off the course just a little bit, and we have to talk about, as much as you know, I, I haven't been a real casting person to talk about casting mm-hmm. of the movie, but we're going to go off because I, I know we have a lot of Fifty Shades fans listening, and the title role just went to somebody from Belfast, and mm-hmm. Jamie, and how do you say his last name, is it Dornan? Dornan. 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 So
1: he's Jordan. from Belfast. Yes. Yeah. Do you know him? Don't know him personally. (laughs) Believe it. Belfast is quite small, and uh, it wouldn't have surprised me that if I hadn't, if I hadn't known him, because it is quite a small city. I don't know him personally, but I know him by reputation, and he's a fabulous actor, and he's a very good-looking young man. Uh, So I think I think the Fifty Shades of Grey team fifty have 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 made a good choice there. He's been in a in a drama recently where he plays a serial killer. Uh and he's very, very good in it. I'm sure a lot of the Fifty Shades of gray fans will be digging out and searching that out to watch it just to get a sense of what he's like as an actor and um he's 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 quite a dish. He's quite handsome. Yes, he is. I think it worked out. (laughs) There's no avoidance he's very handsome. Oh yeah, he's he's
0: gorgeous. There's no doubt about that. He I, I think it worked out for the best. In fact, I like Charlie. I think Charlie's going to be fine. He's going to go on with his life, and he's just going to be fine. He just seems like a great, great guy. But for this particular
1: role, I think that it, it just worked out perfect because
0: Charlie had to be. I don't know if
1: you've seen it yet, Laurie. I don't know if you've made a point of watching it yet, but the character he plays in Fall, he's a serial killer. he It's a really, really interesting way that he plays it. It's very cold. It's very detached. It's very loose. And oddly, I think... If he, t- if he takes a little bit of that kind of character into Fifty Shades of Grey, he'll, he'll do a really good job of, you know, of Christian. You know, that little bit of it, you know, it, a bit enigmatic, a little bit like there's so- he's holding something back. And that's exactly <laughs> what uh, Jamie plays in the fall as a serial killer. He's, he plays it very dark and he plays it very moody. And I think if he brings some of that to, to Fifty Shades of Grey, it'll be fantastic. We know that now all so the... Unless fans do then it won't be fantastic. <laughs> they're
0: going to be scouring Belfast
1: now looking for him. Well, I don't know if he's actually... Well, he he is from Belfast, and I do believe he, he does live in Belfast, but I think he also uh, goes between Belfast and London as well. You know, he was a, a very successful model before he became an actor. He's, he's a very, very successful male model. Well, you know, I've... I'm sure you're going to get to meet him, which is just going to be so fabulous because
0: you'll have to tell me if he's as good-looking,
1: you know, in person as he is on the screen. I just hope he does a really good American accent because there's nothing as irritating. I mean, I don't I don't know what it's like for, for American folk, but for us in Northern Ireland, we absolutely hate to hear our own accent. So I hope he does a really good American accent in this because the last thing I want is like, christian gray having a a bit of a northern irish twang it would be awful for me
0: (laughs) well you only read the book once right you're 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 one of the few who read the who actually were able to go on with (laughs) it and be a productive member of society i'm
1: not the repeat offender (laughs) but i have never read any book twice i've never ever i just think there's too many books in the world and i have to keep reading i've never like even my most Cherished book, my, uh, my even top ten, my top five books. I've never reread. I've never been a rereader, so it, it was nothing personal to Fifty years of It's just something I've never done.
0: what are your top five books?
1: Oh my goodness, I don't even know if I could pick my top five. I do like a lot of Irish writers, a lot of female Irish writers, like uh, Edna O'Brien and Anne Enright. They're quite, they're quite dark writers. They're quite serious, but they're they're character driven uh, novels. Were very little happens. It's all about the, the characters. Um, I mean, I like the big blockbuster books, too. Like I, one of my favorite books was actually Life of Pi, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners will have seen the film recently. I mean, that was mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. an all-time favorite book of mine that I read many years ago. So I have a diverse re- reading and, uh, taste, but I, I, I am an avid reader. I do like to read. I love to read in the bath I love to read in the bath. You, I'm a spine breather, they say. <laughs> are, are you reading something now i am i'm actually reading a memoir of one of my uh of an irish writer called edna breen who wrote a book called country girl it was quite a seminal book in its time quite controversial uh but i'm actually reading her memoirs and it's fantastic and because she's irish and it's very much about her child her childhood growing up in, in rural ireland and things like that got really interest me because obviously i have that parallel with Myself, you know, growing up in rural Ireland as well. So that's what I'm currently reading, and it's a fabulous read. But I don't know if it's a universal read. I think maybe it's very much something an Irish audience would enjoy. Right.
0: How do you keep the book from getting
1: wet? <laughs> I don't. I don't, Laurie. I'm terrible. <laughs> it, it comes out of the bath a bit damp. It gets air-dried. <laughs> I've I dropped a few books in the bath, I have to say. I'm not, I'm not proud to say it, but I have actually dropped a few books. They're a little bit swollen and much fatter now than they used to be when they've dried off. Um, I've never been precious about books. I, I buy books in charity shops as well. I, I love to, to, to buy in charity shops, so I've never been precious about books. Saying that, though, I am quite precious about uh, my signed copies of Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't think I would, I'd read those in the bath. I'll keep them going. Yeah,
0: down. no. <laughs> I would definitely tell you not to do that. But One day a, I will have signed books for Fifty Shades of Grey. I've got to figure out how to make my paths cross. I keep it's, – it, it's just it, – it, it's not in my will will, I think, to run across Erica because I am always like five minutes behind where she's been, and, and I don't even know it. It's like I won't even know, like, she's in the area, and someone will tell me. They'll be like, did you know that Yale James was
1: just here? I'm like, what? You gotta be
0: kidding! It's oh. always like five minutes before, five
1: minutes ahead. It's the weirdest thing. It's, it's just sure my life. I'm sure they will. Cross. I'm sure they will. This is just like a, it's a tease. It's gonna be all the more salacious when it happens because you're <laughs> you're constantly being teased. But when it does happen, it'll be awesome. It'll be mighty. It, it, well, and they'll probably be very point, innocuous. It, You'll probably bump into it in a supermarket.
0: Well, you know, well because I've been down at Pike Market a lot,
1: you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and I, I do a
0: lot of things for Pike Market down there, and trying to get the word out about their local crafters and and, and theirs mm-hmm. and the artists that are down there. In the, when you come to Seattle, um, you know, we'll definitely have to go down there. And, I love, and I've been there
1: in 1999, I think. I traveled, I hitchhiked across the states, and that is where the, you know they, they do all the throwing of the fish and everything, don't they? They're, exactly. Yeah. Very animated. It's like a fish market.
0: But you haven't been there with me, so that's—I mean—it's a whole nother. So no, have with you. <laughs> that will obviously make it all the better, exactly. <laughs> because I want you to ring the bell. Because w- w- one of my duties is I'm. Uh, I help them every morning at nine o'clock. The market starts up exactly promptly at nine o'clock, and there's a ceremonial ringing of the bell. And one of my things is to bring people in to ring that bell. And when you come to Seattle, I want you to be one of the people who ring that bell. Um, oh, I love that idea! You get to ring it really it's, loud. it's really a fun thing to do. I, I got to do it once. It was absolutely fantastic. I had so much fun doing it, and um, I would really, really love for you to be able to do that when when, when you come to Seattle because it's, it's, it's just a, a real fun
1: fun thing to be able to do. It's like being a kid and just making lots of noise, what's not to like.
0: Exactly, exactly. I rang the heck Especially out of it. Especially when all these shoppers ringer. are
1: walking by, <laughs> you get to scare them. Oh, all looking. Me.
0: Well, you know, 9 o'clock is really the best time to be down there because it's not really crazy, you know. The market's just kind of waking up and the flowers are coming in and um, it's not crowded and uh, all of the artists are, are putting their their work out. And, uh, wow. it's just kind of a, a kind of a, a ceremonial start to the day. And it's, 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 absolutely it's really my, one, to one to of to one to my favorite times to be there is, is at nine o'clock. So I, I, I usually get down there about eight and then I go to the first Starbucks and get a coffee and then I walk down to the French bakery and I get a French croissant and, um, then I walk over and then whoever we have ringing the bell, you know, we take a picture and talk to them and, you know, and kind of show them how they're going to ring the bell. So anyway, um, and then we'll and a coffee.
1: You. I'm loving the sound of this. It's <laughs> one of my favorite things. <laughs> Don't like great
0: pictures That's the way to be down at the market. It's the best, best way to enjoy the market. So when you come, absolutely, we, we have to have to do that. We get your picture taken, and, and you and you have to ring the bell and, and, and open the market up. So
1: I look forward to it. That sounds fabulous.
0: Well, see, wasn't this easy? This wasn't difficult at all. Just to girls chatting. Indeed. <laughs> well, I will let you get back. I know that you have some duties that you're taking care of and um, helping your mom yes, out My, with, my mother is stranded in, Yeah,
1: my mother's stranded in the Cayman Islands at the moment, so I'm holding the fort for the family while my mother finds a flight home.
0: That's a horrible place to be stranded.
1: Oh, absolutely. Heart, my, <laughs> my heart's breaking. In fact, we're all slightly horrified. that It's cold and it's wet and it's damp here, and my mother's stranded in the Caribbean island. It's hard to feel sorry for her right now, but I know she would rather be at home at the same time. So, But, yes, I, I've, I've got some family duties I'm taking care of in the next day or two. Well, I'm,
0: I, I know how busy you are, and you've been busy all year long. And you and I talk often, um, not on the radio, but, but often on so my I'm, side, I'm really familiar with how um, busy that you are. So I really appreciate that you taking the time out so we can come on and talk about the prints and get people to to. To know you better, and and you know, it's it's just a really a matter of time until these prints are gone, and then people are going to say, why didn't you tell us? Well. We've talked a couple times and and the time is ticking on these things, and uh, we're just trying to get the word out to as many people as possible because i I, I just know the way that it's going to be, and when the last one goes, there'll be a hundred more people standing going we we didn 't know nobody ever told us so don't say we never told you go to jennifertroon dot com not only if you you're going to get a beautiful piece of art I mean from one of the greatest artists in my opinion that 's living on this planet today, but um It's going to also be entered into to win a drawing from other local artists who are making some fantastic things, who want to enter in 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 the spirit of uh, handmade items. So there's going to be some things from Seattle, and there's going to be uh, things from jewelers, and there's going to be things from uh, from all, all kinds of people who who just who are just really wanted to to support Jennifer and support artistry. So it's 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 a great uh, wonderful thing that that people are doing just just being kind, helping one another, which which is always a wonderful great thing.
1: Yes, I'm so grateful. Uh, thank you so much. I do I do appreciate I mean this is one of the nicest things that's come out of, of, of being in the book is meeting like people like yourself, Laurie, and, and getting to chat with some wonderful people all over the world. I mean, we you know, they say we lived in a joined up world but at the same time, uh, you know, we can be quite isolated and as an artist it can be quite an isolated existence I spend. A good eight to ten hours in a studio working away on my own. So it's lovely to come home. It's lovely sometimes just to have that little conversation on Twitter or Facebook with someone like yourself. And, you know, I just, you know, it's it's been a really lovely kind of side, side aside from, from you know, selling the print, is getting to know some of the, the lovely, very warm-hearted and, and kind people in the Fifty Shades of Grey community. So I'm there I really glad so that people. you've embraced me,
0: mm-hmm. uh, a little girl from Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel exactly the same way because I kind of I, I wasn't in the fan fiction portion of of the 50 shades of gray. I, I came into it I think in May when when I read the book and I will say since you've been helping me wean myself off of my multiple readings I have not read since you and I had that conversation in January that's a not and I appreciate that you holding my hand through that um and I've been able to read other books and and almost okay, okay. live a normal life. <laughs> so I have, to, I have you to think for that <laughs> I've been able to society when you, like,
1: when you do eventually read 50 Years of Grey again Which I know you will, Laurie You know, you will It'll be wonderful <laughs> you've had that distance from it as well It'll be like reading it for the first time again So it'll be quite excited. That
0: is true I have to stop myself every day It's you know, But, but, but it does get easier
1: You know what? <laughs> there are worse things to be addicted to When you think about it It's a very healthy addiction
0: that is true. Well,
1: I just love it. I just love it
0: so much. And I just encourage more people just, you have to just, I've, I've heard so many people say, oh, I've read the first book. No, so you have to read all three. It's one story that's just built over three books, but it's it's one it's one complete story. And out of that are true life, wonderful people that, that we get to know. Eva Cassidy, um, we were able to get to know better through the books. Jennifer Troughton, obviously, who's here with us today, um, being exposed to your work and, and being exposed to what a lovely person you are—all of those are just these beautiful, beautiful packages and gifts that just keep opening themselves up to us over and over and over again.
1: It is a community that's been that has built up, and I think it's—you know—it's it's, a—it's a very positive thing that a lot of women have come together and find their voice and you know, talk openly about their experiences, and you know. Some very strong friendships have been made as well through their through their love of the book, and that can only be a positive thing. And I'm sure it will continue to create positivity for for many more years to come. Because there's going to be more movies as well, so there's plenty, no, of, no. There's plenty to still, you know, there's a couple more years of uh, excitement and and things to look forward. It's to. It's not going away,
0: it's not going away in away no. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Jennifer, thanks, son for, for coming on again today. We're going to keep getting the word out about uh, the prints until they're all sold. And then we'll put up oh, with the, 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 the people for the next 20 years that say, why didn't anybody ever tell me? So um, <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get to it.
1: Uh, well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking to you as always, Laurie.
0: So jennifertroughton.com is where you can go to find more information. I'll also link you to Jennifer's uh, Facebook page, and she's also on Twitter. And uh, you can find out everything you want, though, at jennifertroughton.com. I'm going to play the Rubies. They're actually from Manchester, England, since we kind of have an international show here. And the Rubies have been on several times before, and they're making their way to the United States as well. I'm going to play them, and then we'll be, we'll be right back. So hold on just a moment. And this is the Rubies from Manchester, England. Jennifer Troughton with us. It's one of the best artists who's living on this planet in our in our lifetime. You can find out more at jennifertroughton.com. You can find out more information on her as well. I just wanted to remind everyone that the, the, the prints, are not, you're going to find out they're not really that expensive um, for what you're getting on these at all. I mean, it's, it seems like they're, don't quote me on this because I, I didn't look up the price, and, and it's in... Euros, so it has to be translated to the United States. But it's, I, I think it's like 200 plus shipping, but the, but the shipping to the States is a little high, so it comes to around 300, somewhere right around there. But, I mean, it's, it's really the deal, deal, deal of the, of the century. I'm going to really need to go, again, check out JenniferTrouten.com. And Janet Keswana, she is um, one of the jewelers who is contributing um, to the promotion of, of the arts this, and we're going to be giving away a piece of her jewelry by the end of the year to somebody who, who buys a print, and you can find out more of her. She's on Twitter, and it's J-A-N-E-T-C-A-S, or C-A-D, I'm sorry, S-W-A-N, Janet One. so C-A-D-S-A-W-A-N. She's a very, very accomplished jeweler in her own right, and you can look at all of her pieces. Not all of them are Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, she's She's an amazing, amazing artist when it comes to jewelry as well. So check out JenniferTroughton.com. We're going to be back with our Christmas show in November. We're going to be going through a lot of these artists um, separately and individually throughout the the Christmas show and give you some really great ideas for for Christmas. We're going to have uh, Robin Layton, one of the best photographers, um, on on the planet, I think Life Magazine named her one of the top five. She has a new book out. We'll be talking about that at the Christmas show. Jennifer Trout and Janet as well, and uh, Seattle Rainwater Soap, Woodie Island Soap Company, Fifty Shades of Grey wine. There's just on and on and on some really really great and amazing things that we're going to be talking about. But thank you for listening today. As, and as we got to know Jennifer Trout better. And have a great day. And be sure to catch this and other shows at northwestprime.com anytime, 24-7, 365. You can also stay with Seattle Wave Radio anytime for great music and other interviews. Have a great day.